Hello, and welcome to Abolish Arkham. If we can't imagine our world without police and prisons, what about fictional ones? We are your hosts, Dakota Kennedy and Yuki Nishida. And you're listening to WBCA 102.9 FM Boston. Last episode, we interviewed our first guest, Christopher O'Connor, about Gotham's favorite district attorney turned mob boss, Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Two-Face. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And we're joined today with Alice Quinn Rose, comic book writer and fan of our show. Yuki, I am so excited that we have gotten to our Harley Quinn episode. Yay! <laughs> I mean, back in the first episode, I did say my favorite character is Harley Quinn. Me too. I think we both did. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have to say I have loved her um, since I saw her in the animated series, which I cannot believe is actually where she was born for the animated series. She's not a comic She's not a character who originated in the comics. Can like, you believe that? Like the animated series, like in the 90s? Yeah, that, that, animated, that oh. animated series. That was her first introduction into Batman was the animated series, not no. a comic book. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I know. Um, but yeah, so let's just get right in um, into some of the history here of Dr. Harleen Quinzel, a.k.a. Harley Quinn. Um, because like I said, I find it so fascinating that her first appearance was in the Batman animated series in 1992. So when we're thinking about how long Batman has been around, Mm -hmm. um, she's really new. She's a very new character. And that surprised me a little bit, especially because of some of the conversations you and I have had about, um, Arkham Asylum Mm -hmm. and kind of some of the mental health stories. Like you would think that a character, or I would think that a character like Dr. Harleen Quinzel who has a PhD, she's a psychiatrist who works inside Arkham Asylum. I could have seen her been being introduced much earlier. Yeah, like in when Arkham Asylum was introduced. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But she's very late um to the Batman universe and it's wild to think, you know, like when I was when I was a kid and watching the Batman animated series, like I vividly remember her and I loved her. Um, I loved, like, her accent and her manner of speech. Like, I love how um, kind of unapologetically herself she was. Like, she was loud, and she always seemed to just say what was ever was on her mind. Like, regard- like it was just like she almost had no filter. Mm-hmm. And I just found that so refreshing, even as a little kid. And I just have to say anecdotally, it's funny to me that now she is so famous since the Suicide Squad movie came out in 2016, which although was considered a pretty big failure, at least I I did not like the Suicide Squad movie. I I did not like it I think that's an uncontroversial take. (laughs) Um, But it was a great platform for Harley Quinn because it was really our first time that we ever saw her on the big screen outside of the animated series. Yeah, that was her big debut being played by Margot Robbie. And I think that, at least, like, culturally, <laughs> like, from, like, social media, like, like back in high, like, when I was in high school, when Suicide Squad came out, it was, like, huge in social media for, for multiple reasons, for multiple complicated reasons, too. <laughs> Um, And I mean, now, you know, so in addition to Margot Robbie, I mean, we also have the animated series on HBO where she is voiced by Kaylee Cuoco. And now we have Lady Gaga joining for the Joker sequel. So, I mean, at this rate, we might get as many different versions of Harley Quinn as we have of Batman. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Yeah. 
totally fine with. Yeah. I'm like, okay, having multiple versions of Harley Quinn. We have, mm-hmm. you know, countless numbers of yeah. Batman versions, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, let's give somebody else the Batman treatment. And I'm Please. not mad that it's her. Please do. <laughs> so that would make Harley Quinn 30 years old. Yeah, because I mean, I really, grew, you know, when you put it that way, I mean, yeah, I really grew up with Harley Quinn. Mm. Yeah, so just, like, quickly, like, to go through um, kind of where Harley Quinn started and where we're at now. So, I mean, you know, unsurprisingly to a lot of people, Harley Quinn was developed as kind of, quote-unquote, just a sidekick to the Joker. Um, And it was really through her, her character and kind of how she was portrayed in the animated series that there were just qualities about her that really spoke to a lot of people and generated a strong fan base where um, people had been exposed to her. Mm -hmm. But it really took a while for her to become part of the DC canon. Um, So she actually didn't appear in the comics until 1999 in a comic called Batman Harley Quinn number one. Um, And the plot of that, as far as I understand it, is that the government abandons Gotham after a massive earthquake. And I just couldn't think of the irony. Mm -hmm. And I will just leave that there. I that is all I will I will let our audience draw their real world parallels mm-hmm. where they will. Um, but essentially, you know, in classic Harley Quinn form, she helps the Joker break out of Arkham Asylum and he betrays her, mm-hmm. which is part of this like ongoing relationship, this push pull yeah. that she's had with the Joker for so many years. And it's. Uh... Gosh, that's annoying. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to watch. And if you are watching the Harley Quinn animated series on HBO, thankfully, her relationship with the Joker is incredibly short-lived. <laughs> and, and I'm here for it. And completely over. Yes, completely over. Thank you, creators of the Harley Quinn animated series. So something else that I think is interesting is that, do you remember all of the Batman movies, Yuki, that came out in like the late? 80s, like 90s, where you have like Michael Keaton and George Clooney as Batman, and you have Poison Ivy played by Uma Thurman, and Catwoman as Michelle Pfeiffer. Who else? Like, do you remember, do you know what movies I'm talking about? <laughs> I do. I've, I've watched back. I watched them with my parents growing up. I <laughs> specifically the my, the Michael Keaton one. Awesome. Yeah, I have to say, and like, I'm going to get dragged for this, but I absolutely loved <laughs> um, Poison Ivy. Uh, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. And it is a to- oh it is a toxic God. take. It is a toxic take. I will not, you know, I know I'm, I'm not going to stand here and defend it. Um, but I just have to say that that is a movie that I really loved watching. And I did really enjoy those movies. Um, and did you know that there was actually supposed to be a follow-up to Batman Forever called Batman Unchained? You can't really see, but I have my eyebrow raised uh, <laughs> by that title. <laughs> yeah, so what's interesting to me is that there is kind of this this little gap for Harley Quinn 
Because when I was growing up, a lot of people didn't know who Harley Quinn was. Like, they Mm -hmm. knew Catwoman, they knew Poison Ivy, they knew a lot of these other characters. And so what's interesting about Batman Unchained is that it sounds like had Batman Unchained been allowed to happen, (laughs) um, it would have focused on Harley Quinn and the Scarecrow and the employees of Arkham Asylum who turned into villains. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, whereas, like, you know, I know that those movies have a lot of, um, there's a lot of kind of, like, hate watching and, like, love to hate them mm-hmm. that goes on about them. But I, but personally, as a Harley Quinn fan, mm-hmm. I would have loved to see that version yeah. of Harley Quinn, like, in that campy <laughs> universe, ideally with, like, Tim Burton directing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sort of the origin of Harley Quinn, like, within Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. So for so long, we've been waiting waiting for our big screen, Harley Quinn. And so I'm so glad that we finally gotten it with Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reser- I'm I'm not I don't I don't have I'm not super excited personally about the Joker sequel in Lady Gaga. That's just me personally. Mm-hmm. But I am looking forward to seeing it. I mean, I'm very interested to see Lady Gaga <laughs> and her take on how Harley Quinn as a character, because from my from my understanding, um, uh, Lady Gaga will mainly be playing um, Harley Quinn as Dr. Harleen Quinzel, sort of counseling um, the Joker. Yeah, and I guess, like, some also some also important background is on Harley Quinn. So, I mean, yeah, Harley Quinn started out as Harleen Quinzel, an employee of Arkham Asylum, a psychiatrist to the Joker. And then, essentially, through her treatment with him as her patient, she falls in love with him, mm-hmm. and then I and then jumps. Eventually, he convinces her to jump into a vat of acid, and that's how she becomes Harley Quinn. He manipulates. He manipulates her. Her. Yeah, which is a long theme in their relationship. Mm-hmm. So I guess, like for me, when I'm thinking about the upcoming. Joker sequel, I just really hope that it isn't a step backwards Mm -hmm. in terms of Harley Quinn's development, especially when now we have seen her become this emancipate, you know, this emancipation of Mm -hmm. Harley Quinn. And we have the Birds of Prey movie and we also have the animated series and just like, you know, kind of this Harley Quinn Joker dynamic is like been pretty played out. Yeah. So I just really hope that in this sequel that she doesn't get reduced again to kind of like Mm -hmm. this emotional labor, this like side character that is really there to aid in like the Joker's own healing Mm -hmm. Um, as much as like that, you know, is could be portrayed as noble. um, Perhaps like it's hard for me to say that Mm -hmm. given like knowing that every iteration of Harley Quinn and Joker's relationship that I've ever seen has been extremely Mm -hmm. toxic. Yeah. And it it, it kind of uh, like if, it were to go down that way, it would kind of go against like the whole um, direction that DC has been taking with Harley Quinn in the comics and like, I mean, especially in the show. Geez, I mean, the the show is just such an amazing. I mean, uh, argue with me all you want, but I love the depiction of Harley Quinn um, through the Harley Quinn, the HBO Harley Quinn show, and just like her development as a character and her just like having to deal with her past, like, her past harm, her of her past with the Joker. Absolutely, right? Like, both her own trauma from being in a relationship where she was constantly playing second fiddle, which, again, is interesting because that is, that was the idea behind her inception. Like, she was created as a side character mm-hmm. for to support the Joker, and she really was locked into that role for so long, and it really, I think 
I would I would imagine was largely fan driven mm-hmm. is what got her kind of out and like made her her own like full fledged character. Mm-hmm. As an aside, I thought it was really interesting, um, like in the inception of Harley Quinn, because I always like back before when I was like starting to get into comics and like the DC universe, I always thought of Harley Quinn as an equal uh, to the Joker, sort of like how. There's always like some like some female counterpart to like the Batman. Then there's like Superman, Wonder Woman, and sort of that. I always thought seen Harley Quinn as sort of this equal to the Joker, not less so this or less so this sidekick figure. But it's really great and amazing to see Harley Quinn develop into this like strong standing, like single standing character that DC is uh, really developing now. Absolutely, and I mean, I think you make a great. Point. And as you were talking, when I was thinking about, you know, the other women characters, whether they're quote unquote heroes or quote unquote villains, I mean, I kind of do feel like they all are in the shadow of the man that they're up against. You know, like mm-hmm. even when we think about Catwoman, um, you know, in her complicated relationship with Batman. So, I mean, you kind of do have a lot of these female characters who are defined by their trauma, especially with the villains. And then, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, even when you think kind of about Batgirl, Batwoman, you know, like, like I loved seeing Batgirl. I loved seeing Batwoman. But, I mean, you know, there's a reason that the Batgirl movie recently was just canceled and that mm-hmm. we are going to continue to have Batman movies for mm-hmm. the rest of time. Oh, jeez. I know. It's, it's too bad. So, you know, that's why we get to drown our sorrows in the beautiful chaos that is the HBO animated Harley mm-hmm. Quinn series. I also think that what really sets apart from Harley Quinn and, like, the rest of, like, the DC, um, like, DC properties is the fact that she operates in a very different moral compass than... Um, than other, like, DC, like, I guess, heroes, since now she's being branded as sort of this anti-hero. Absolutely. And one of the things that I love the most, and, like, there's going to be a lot of spoilers here, folks, especially about the Harley Quinn animated series, because it's really hard to talk Mm -hmm. about how wonderful Harley Quinn is without getting into some of the specifics and her portrayal in that series. Um, But... I love that there is constantly this tension with her about whether or not she's even a villain. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't remember which season it's in, um, but basically where, like, she kind of just keeps trying to do things and keeps trying to be bad. Mm -hmm. And then she has this whole kind of back and forth with Batgirl, actually, Mm -hmm. who is Barbara Gordon, who is the (laughs) daughter of Commissioner Gordon, Mm -hmm. um, about where... You know, Batgirl just keeps being like, Harley, like, I just don't think you're really a villain. I think you might be a hero. (laughs) And I think that that's such a beautiful gray area. And I love to see that antagonized, like, Mm -hmm. so critically and so carefully in the HBO animated series. Because Mm -hmm. I think that that series, for me, really represents the ideal, like, of, like, what I would hope to see from the conversations that were happening right here on our show is there are so many, you know, there's even mentions of, like, the prison industrial complex in that show. I think one of my favorite quotes from uh, the show so far was when King Shark went to prison and he came back and he was just like, 
I have witnessed firsthand the failings of the prison industrial <laughs> complex. I think about that constantly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's just so poignant and so smart. I absolutely love it. Um, but I do want to get back to um, what you were saying, Yuki, just about Harley Quinn's development and, like, mm-hmm. you know, like we keep using this word emancipation. Um, and I would just love to hear, like, yeah, what else, like, kind of came up in your research as we were preparing for mm-hmm. this episode when it comes to, like, her character? I mean, it's really hard to i mean yeah i'm like like you said earlier it's hard to like talk about harley quinn as a character without having to mention the abuse that the joker has inflicted on her and um how it continues to affect her character development to this day to the uh, to the latest uh, comic book release of harley quinn and so one thing like from my research like looking through um i guess like the development of harley quinn is that she's She's grappling with the trauma that the Joker has inflicted on her and the harm that she inflicted on other people while being under um, the abuse of the Joker. And one thing that I'm really enjoying in reading and seeing the development of Harley Quinn um, in the DC universe is how she sort of deals with that and how she knows that she how she sort of recognizes the harm that she's done and she's actively trying to redeem herself she's actively making do making reparations if you will with um the people who she has caused harm uh, has caused harm as a result of under the abuse of the joke the joker which is pretty radical especially in the context of the dc universe and in con mm-hmm. in the context of mainstream superhero narratives and I mean, you know, and I look forward to interviewing Alice about this when we bring her on shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is, a again, a really interesting thing that we're watching happen with Harley Quinn and kind of like what it means to be a person that makes mistakes. And how do you meaningfully account for mistakes and for harm that you have caused to other people? And I think especially in our society right now, when we're as polarized as we are and like cancel culture is being weaponized Mm. in the way that it is. I think there are a lot of people right now who are ready to throw their hands up and just say, you know, well, everyone's just bad. Everyone's going to cause harm. Like there's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do about it. Like blah, 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 blah. And so I love that DC is taking a chance um, and providing this nuance to Harley Quinn. So that, and I think honestly, that might be so much of why audiences connect with her Mm -hmm. is because she seems so real mm-hmm. and relatable and like we under at least i understand like her like kind of conflict and like what she's going through and it's a really interesting like experiment to like watch her go through it and it's very cathartic it really is because it really shows um that like no matter i mean after all the harm that harley has done um to other people she knows that through her actions of doing good, that that's she was trying to be the best version of herself. And that really speaks to how she wants to how she's how she wants to redeem herself, how she's going through this redemption arc, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, because Harley Quinn hasn't been canceled. You know, just Mm. because she's caused harm. I mean, an interesting and going back to the animated series is what we see happen as we see Dr. Psycho, um, who is portrayed as quite the misogynist. Mm -hmm. And he gets himself into hot water for 
select words that he uses to describe people that Mm -hmm. he shouldn't use to describe people. And he effectively gets canceled. Mm -hmm. And it really is Harley Quinn who goes and hires Dr. Psycho and brings him back into the fold and Mm -hmm. uses, um, like, you know, kind of uses this idea that he can be redeemed. Yeah. And I think that that's also beautiful is that not only is Harley Quinn interested in her own growth and personal development, but she is actively reaching out to other people who have, you know, they've got messy pests. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, folks. Um, and I just love watching her do it. Yeah. And like that's that's like another it like and it's it's a messy path, but it's a path that's that requires a lot of energy and requires a lot of resources that need to be put into. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do a lot of we put a lot of resources into punishing people, but we not we don't put enough resources into rehabilitating people, into reintroducing people into communities. And so they end up going back into these punitive systems. I mean, and that is certainly the case with Arkham Asylum. You know, <laughs> they get locked up there until they break out and then the cycle repeats. <laughs> I mean, Harley herself, uh, like, gets gets reincarcerated into Arkham Asylum a couple of times in earlier iterate in early iterations oh yeah and i mean it even happens in the animated series um several times like that she's that she's in there and then breaks out under different circumstances or that her team is incarcerated and she has to go break them out of arkham asylum um Mm -hmm. so i just think yeah it's just a really fun it's just been a really fun time before we bring on alice something that i really like about harley quinn is that she is just such this empowered character, like empowered female character, um, like her stories grapple very directly with cycles of domestic violence. And there weren't a lot of female characters at the time who were really like her. Um, And even like, you know, there's a lot about Harley Quinn's like even character and her costume. And I know that that changed as she was developed into the video games. But even just kind of like in the animated series, she wasn't a sex symbol and I really appreciated that. And I mean, I think that we've seen that development even in the more recent iterations of Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what I freaking love about just like, I mean, the, when, when writing characters in like a story, I am always, I just love a good character development and how a character learns from their mistakes and how um, those lessons are what they what carries them through the show and or like whatever story they're going through and um that sort of level of character development is something that i personally really really enjoy seeing and is really refreshing to see really the emphasis on character absolutely yeah because like again like i just think that for so long and we still see it a lot of the time like women are allowed to exist in under very specific circumstances and people want to see women portrayed or you know the dominant media i should say wants to see women portrayed in very specific ways and so when i think about harley quinn and what i love about harley quinn is i love her recklessness i love how imperfect she is i love that she has all of these flaws i love that she is outspoken and opinionated mm-hmm. and i think the more that we can have diversity in the types of characters that we have and we get out of these ideals and we get out of these stereotypes, we're going to have better narratives. And I think that allowing 
a women a woman character to be flawed in a relatable and human way, like not just because like she's a ditz or kind of these ways that we're used to seeing women portrayed as flawed. I just think that that's so important, and I hope that that space, like, I hope that Harley Quinn in that space that she's opened, I hope that the door stays open. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good segue to bring in Alice Quinn Rose, our special guest of today's episode. So a little bit about Alice. Uh, For years, Alice has produced online content for leftist and educational YouTube channels. She now writes comic books and graphic novels, specializing in the horror, cyberpunk, and once even fantasy genres. You can check out her stuff at AliceQRWriter on Twitter. So Alice, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into comics, um, what you do today? Hi, I'm Alice Quinrose. I originally uh, produced a lot of stuff like educational and leftist YouTube channels um, before like moving into like become a story developer and screenwriter in Hollywood. And after smashing my head against that wall um, and getting nowhere for a long time, I've now sort of like landed as like a comic book writer um, and I'm like making a bunch of like politically charged like horror and cyberpunk style stories. Um, <laughs> I mean, selfishly, I'd love to hear a little bit about what it was like working in Hollywood and what sort of um, stories you worked on as a screenwriter. Um, I mean, largely sort of, ones that took uh tried to include more transgender characters uh a lot of like teen horror but then high up level business exec stuff started to happen which shifted the culture within the development studio and it just didn't plan out as well um whereas like comics gives me much more of a creative freedom to basically write whatever i need to write without having to think about whether it's going to make some big studio as much money as they can rinse out of everything. I mean, I would love to know uh, how you came into the Batman universe and maybe like, you know, what your earliest impressions of Batman were. So Batman has always been in the pop culture mindscape for me. Uh, growing up, like the Tim Burton movies were around and I'm like in 2008, I was 14. Um, and obviously the Nolan's trilogy took off. Um, and the first comic I ever, like, picked up off the shelf was, like, issue four of New 52 Batman, um, which was, like, the Court of Owls story or something. Um, and it made no sense to me because it was, like, mid-story. Um, but I've always just loved how Batman's villains are humanized in a way that you don't see in many other heroes' rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. And speaking of villains, I mean, this whole episode is dedicated to the one and only Harley Quinn. How would you describe uh, Harley Quinn um, to someone who doesn't know who she is, even though they probably should? Uh, <laughs> if someone doesn't know who Harley Quinn is, Margot Robbie hasn't been doing a good enough job. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Harley is a wild, chaotic, emancipated woman who has been through a hell of a lot um and she's always been very grounded in the community she's in as she was like um making her way and like emancipating herself from like abusive relationships and hierarchical systems and i just find that 
inspiring in a especially in like a comic book um superhero universe where like everything is treated very black and white good and evil hero and villain um seeing someone that grounded in community and like a complicated accountability story really interesting and refreshing yeah, I mean, I really appreciate that you identified kind of right this black and white. Like this is something that we talk a lot about on the show is just this idea of that, you know, there are good guys and there's superheroes and then there are bad guys and they're villains. And so what's the importance you think um, in having that gray area and having that nuance for worlds outside of that traditional black and white good versus evil binary? Well, largely the black and white good and evil binary is, very much based in like police are the good guys and there are people who are evil and bad and therefore the police need to like lock them up or punish them in some way um and it's an overly simplified way of viewing the world that is good for escapism and like is really gives you as a writer a really easy structure to tell a story because of the easy conflict and you don't have to have empathy for the villain but it's the fact that it's built on removing empathy from someone who is doing harm or someone and like not acknowledging the conditions that caused them to do that harm in most cases um is i don't know it's just restricting um both as like a writer and then also it like feeds this narrative and this myth that i think we're all fed from basically birth that like it's not here to protect you um and there's like some people who are bad and therefore they need to deal with them um <laughs> ideally by putting them in prison them. right <laughs> yeah ideally by prison and then never thinking about them ever again mm-hmm. um and and don't think about like how horrible that must be to go through as a person mm-hmm. um because that like then we're like empathizing with bad people not the like good people with machine guns that like stand around at train stations just looking threatening mm-hmm. yeah and it's really important to have sort of like these kinds of nuances in uh these superhero narratives what like i wanted to ask what can harley quinn teach us about you know owning up to our own mistakes you know like maybe like getting second chances uh it's a really good question it's just like a lot um like harley did do a lot of harm in like after she while she was working with the Joker and hurt a lot of people and the current like writers and like canon of Batman are actually acknowledging that and working with that um they're not just sort of like pretending that didn't happen and saying which is a hero now but just like in order to like put as much good into the world as like bad she put into the world um which is a really important and empathetic thing because everyone does harm in like some level in their lives to someone else. And if we don't have an empathetic view of that and we don't try to move towards like some sort of restorative justice mindset and stay in this punitive justice mindset that superhero stories have maintained, then there's not much point in being in a social society or anything. Um, there's no way for anyone to heal or get forgiveness. And I like that Harley is reminding us that people can be forgiven and can grow and develop and become better. 
I love so much about what you said. (laughs) And I think as you were talking, something that I was thinking about, I mean, you know, right, like abolition and some of these restorative justice practices get widely misunderstood, particularly by the mainstream media. So maybe like, could you help us better explain like how we decide who we forgive and how we, you know, kind of in that concept, like, because I think some people would feel like, okay, well, like, what about... Like, you know, what would you say the same about Batman or would you say the same, you know, about the police? I mean, starting with Batman, for example, like Batman could have just become a police officer and worked as a cop and like done all the investigations and like everything else, like find the evidence and put people away. Or at least that's how we think cops work. It's not really. But it's the idea that people have about police officers. Um, But instead, he became a vigilante and took everything into his own hands. And typically in Batman stories, it's shown that that's because of red tape or because he already X, Y, Z reasons. Yeah, I mean, I guess, do you think Batman is a cop or? Um, I do think Batman is a cop. And so one thing we have to acknowledge about Batman is he is like 80 years old as a character and multiple different people with different political ideologies and backgrounds have written him. And so there's no like one Batman mm-hmm. that exists. But like um, within... His, his like core canon and everything else he is taking everything into his own hands and mostly just like using violence um to try and fight violence rather than as like a he's a billionaire rather than spending all this money on military tech to like mostly be that poor people and occasionally stop some like supervillain like the joker um he could fund a hospital or like other resources to like help people get housing so that they um don't have to like fall into becoming a goon in order to like pay their rent and buy food um and there's no like real acknowledgement of the conditions that lead people to do crime it's just there's these wacky unrealistic villains who murder people randomly for no reason and we need batman to stop them um and that's how we're taught to view crime in the real world. Obviously, superhero stories are very simplified and very black and white. I would love to write or see a story set in Gotham which follows a bunch of goons and how they fell into becoming goons. Because it's always like the poorest people in Gotham who seem to be doing that. And Batman is this rich, entitled like billionaire, of all things, is just doing the police's job for them um, rather than actually helping anyone. But I do like the fact that sometimes, depending on the writer, he does try to help people. Like a police officer would and does just put Harley Quinn in a solitary confinement cell and like let her just rot. Whereas Batman in the current canon has sort of accepted and realized that she's dedicated to being held accountable for the harm she's done and she's dedicated to changing her actions and her behaviors and like trying to like become someone who like doesn't harm people much as she has in the past and he's giving her the resources and facility to be able to do that let's circle back to harley quinn as much as we'd love to talk Mm -hmm. about batman i wanted to sort of like sort of think about bringing back uh sort of uh this uh, sort of the idea of rehabilitation. How does Harley Quinn's approach as a superhero differ from that of Batman's? 
Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I mean, one thing is, I think the success of Harley Quinn is she is a female power fantasy, which you don't really see in other places. Like Wonder Woman is strong and everything, but Harley um, is free in a way that I think a lot of women, including myself, don't necessarily feel. Um, She's also a freaking doctor. <laughs> yeah, but like it, when you first like meet like Harley and Quinzel. Mm-hmm. She's this very stern and sort of like stoic, like not taking any nonsense um, from anyone. And like, as we get to know Harley over like the like, past 20 years, we like realized that that was all the performance that she like had to learn and put on in order to be taken seriously as a woman in criminal psychology, um, which is like in the real world. And I believe in the pages of DC, like a very male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um and then when she meets for Joker, he manipulates misattunement that she's feeling from herself as having to pretend to be someone else and like gives her permission to just unapologetically act on all of her base instincts. Like every sexist coworker she's ever had that she's wanted to like punch in the face or like hit with a baseball bat, she can now because the Joker gives her permission to. Um, but then also his, like, air quotes, love is completely conditional mm-hmm. and she has to earn it and, like, do everything he wants. And it's a completely codependent, abusive relationship um, where he's constantly manipulating her to, like, make her do as much harm as possible. And thankfully, eventually, like, she gets a support network in Poison Ivy and in, like, the people she knows in Coney Island and like slowly starts to realize that she needs to get out of this relationship. And that's where her pull between villainous and heroes really starts to emerge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you're talking, I guess I'm wondering, have you seen the HBO series with Harley Quinn? Yes. I love that. Oh, cool. What do you think about like, you know, what do you think about her relationship in Batman with Batman in the in the animated series? Like, do you think it's a little bit more in line with what you would like to see, or would you still like to see a Harley Quinn that pushes it even further? I mean, I love what they do with Batman in that show because they make him a, a spoiled man baby who doesn't understand anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's literally a line in it at some point where Harley or someone, oh yeah, it's in like season three. Um, Harley speaks to like young Bruce Wayne um, about people who can't afford rent and young Bruce Wayne's reaction is people pay for housing (laughs) (laughs) I love that yeah I've I've watched all three seasons and I'm such a huge fan I'm still stuck in Um, season two (laughs) you'll get there Um, but like what they do with Batman to love like actually acknowledging his bias and his like privilege and like Harley is this outsider who can see that um and she's like helping him through his trauma it's really interesting um but like I just the show really is just a speed run of like Harley's entire existence in Mm -hmm. the comics um like it in the first couple episodes she like gets over the Joker and we go straight into just the Harley show and I love that because too often we still just focus on 
like era one of Harley, where she's still working with the Joker and still being mm-hmm. abused and get and doing those first steps of emancipating herself from that abusive relationship. But the really interesting part about her is when she's rebuilding her life in Coney Island and is then like starting to like try and help as many people as possible and acknowledge the harm she's done. Um, what I wanted to know about my thoughts on the show, I kind of just got excited about thinking about it. Hey, I'm glad, I'm glad you got excited thinking about it. I mean, I like, I have loved Harley Quinn for so long and it's just been so great to see her like really get to go full tilt in the animated series. I think we got some of that in some of the Margot Robbie Robbie, um, interpretations, but Mm -hmm. for me in the animated series, like, I don't know, like one thing that I really appreciate about the, about the animated series is that they have, that the creators have come out and actually just said that Harley Quinn is never getting back together with the Joker and like that that's just done like it's just it's done it's over um yeah. and i yeah. really appreciate them just taking away like kind of that anxiety that i have as a as a viewer mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah like it yeah i'm glad i don't want him to do a relapse story um who wants to see that like, who wants to see that absolutely. not me not yeah me. <laughs> yeah i love the freedom of just making the characters whatever they need to be and comic book fans be damned just deal with it um <laughs> But yeah, it's in, where we are in the comics right now is she's working with Batman and the Batfam and she's trying to like do as much good as she can. Um, but we don't know like where it's going to go after that. Like she's still in that process of becoming accountable for her past harms and trying to like develop concretely into like a new, better person. Um, and like seeing the HBO show do that and season be really cool. Um, but it's also going to be the first time we've like seen that from any Harley story, um, which makes it doubly exciting, but also kind of scary. Where do you see uh, Harley Quinn as a character going down uh, in the future and down the line? I don't really know. Um, I hope she is given more space away from Batman because right now she's kind of just, an extended member of the Bat Fam. Yeah. But, um, and like she's, in many ways, I think she's relapsing into some codependent behaviors where um, she's sort of almost looking to Batman for uh, confirmation and validation that she's being as heroic as she needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be interesting for them to like split off and her to actually be very critical about how he does heroism and like point out the hypocrisy of how he is like causing a lot of harm and is just helping the police. Um, And if she like remains an anti-hero in the way that she, like, I think they need to embolden all of the anti-authoritarian and like community action and almost like Spider-Man-esque vibes that Harley has. Because I think that's always been her strength, both as a hero and as a character. Well, um, that's all the time we have uh, with you, Alice. We want to thank you so much for uh, coming in to Abolish Arkham and uh, coming in to talk with us. Seriously, thank you so much. All the way from London. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Well, that's our show. You've been listening to Abolish Arkham on WBCA 102.9 FM Boston. 
We are your hosts, Dakota and Yuki. And if you haven't already, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at abolish underscore Arkham. And as always, we'll be going out with a track from a local Boston-based artist. This is Oompa with Your Girl off their album, November 3rd. She love me, yeah, she love me. She love me, yeah, yeah, she love me. She love me, she love me. Said I got this girl, she love me. She love me, yeah, she love me. I got this girl, and she don't like girls. She don't like girls. Now I'm in your world, and I didn't plan it. I hope you understand how I got your girl, and she don't like girls. She don't like girls. It's a bird, it's a plane, just a fly mother Black girl that came to slay, came to wrap up everything In my Venus trap, get caught up in these crosshairs You won't get that feeling back, that could be your girlfriend He asking how it happened, she said she like my energy The way that I be snapping, now we talking about Action, not about good mouth, sweet Love and make the yelling broke out Make them walk out, make them come out First out that closet, and then out that blouse, uh Girl, I put it on the table, ate it up like roti. Now she talking labels, said I don't do straight girls. She said I don't date girls. We were broke a ruler too, so tell me what you say. I say I got this girl, she love me, she love me, yeah, she love me. I got this girl, and she don't like girls, she don't like girls. Now I'm in your world, and I didn't plan it. I hope you understand how I got your girl, and she don't like girls, she don't like Take it off, I can tell by how the night's gone It's like I'm reading your mind, it's like I know just what you like She said you make me leak, we speak out of be when you write You could be my aphrodisiac, I'll be your aphrodite They be like, oh, if you loving them, I be like, yeah, I might be somewhere cuffing with your wife Y'all don't step on toe more likely, but if we don't ask no questions Then that means she can't be lying It's like bros work for government with the way they friends be spying But be trying in my inbox, talking about what you come by What would you do? You dead right, I went over there Man, I got mine, ain't got no time for that on your mind Give me the business, we can mind it, your highness She took the reins and I like the way she ride this, Sierra Got tracks running down the cheeks and I think they used to be mascara You know what's about to go down when she stopped to pull her head up Romance me like a cancer I go deep, get a low deep, and she OD on me Every time I'm OD and the nigga don't answer This girl, she love me, she love me, yeah, she love me I got this girl, and she don't like her, she don't like her Now I'm in your world, and I didn't plan it I hope you understand how I got your girl, and she don't like her She love me, yeah, yeah, she love me, yeah, she love me, yeah.